Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's been a great week at St. John's this week. Marvelous week. If you look at the things we're praying for today, uh, along with, with Violet Hazen, we're praying for uh, three more baptisms over in the auditorium and nine that happened on, uh, when, on Monday, uh, seven on Monday night, two on Wednesday night. And, and God has done something in our church over the last maybe two years, just kind of restoring and renewing our congregation with new families and young people. And, and it's awesome to see. I made a, 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 a little bit of a crack between services to Al Nukakats, who's almost 95, and I said, it's neat to see so many young people in church because a lot of churches don't have young people, and we got them everywhere. And I'm not sure what God is doing here, but I do know why God is doing what he's doing here. And that is because the Father's love is in this place. It's in your heart and in your, your mannerisms, your, your language, your talking. There, there, there's... There's a marvelous movement of, of, of God's love at St. John's in, in Orange. And I love that. And I love celebrating. I love being a part of that. I, lo- I like there being so much going on that I'm out of control. I feel better when I'm out of control. I feel better when there's more ambiguity. I feel better when I can't get it all done. And then you, you rely on people and people surprise you and they do what they're asked to do and they go beyond and, and you just start, wow. And that's the kind of church I want to be. Be like that. Because a lot of the stuff that goes on in a church like ours isn't scripted necessarily. Well, today at you know, 2 o'clock, you're going to, well, maybe, maybe not. And I like that idea of being in community with one another and, and, and being a church where it's just kind of messy sometimes. Because in our reading today from Luke 15, 1 to 3 and 11 to 32, it's messy. It's real life. It's not this idealized, everyone in a suit and tie view of life. It's kind of messy. And that's the way life, life is. In 1669, Rembrandt painted this portrait, portrait, this painting of the prodigal son. At this point, Rembrandt, he didn't know it, but we knew it. He was two years from his death. He'd painted and painted and painted. And if you've been to the Hermitage in St. Petersburg and you've seen this, then I'm green with envy over that. That is like one of my bucket list things is to sit and look at this painting. But you can see that Rembrandt was an older artist at this point. He knew his craft. You look at the lighting, you look at the detail of the faces of the people in the, in the picture. You, you, you look at the, the, the detail of the, the father coming with over the son and, and putting his hands that are worn with work over the worn shoulders of the younger son. And, and Rembrandt struggled with this painting. He, he, he struggled with this story, I should say. He did an etching of this story earlier in his life, and, and he struggled throughout his life to kind of figure out where he fit in. And here, two years before his death as an older person, he, he drew himself, he painted himself into this picture. He figured out his place in the father's family. If you were to sit and have the skills that Rembrandt had, Where would you paint yourself into this marvelous painting? Where do you fit in Luke chapter 3? Maybe you're one who already leaned in. You said, well, it's about a sheep. I got it. It's about a coin. I got it. It's about a son. Now, 
well, you can paint me in a little bit as a younger son. There's a little bit inside of that inside of me, and I'm sure there's a little bit of that in, inside of you. There's a little piece of me that when I was young, that had my backbone stiffened up, and I was tough, and I was strong, and at 22 years old, I was just about the smartest guy in the world. Because that's how 22-year-old people are. Entitled to what's yours. The kid comes to the dad and he says, you give me, you give me what's mine. And with that strong will, he waited until his father found a way to kind of liquidate some of the farm and give him a check, right? He spent money. He didn't spend shares of the farm. So the father had to go an extra step to get the dollars to the kid so that he could waste the money. And there's anger in his voice. At least I read anger into the tone of his voice. Give me my inheritance. Give me what you owe me. And then that other piece that maybe the father heard that isn't in the text. He says, I wish you were dead. Your money is more important to me than our relationship and the love that you have. It'd be better off for me if you cut me a check and then just were gone out of my life. Paint you in. Angry young man. Angry young woman. Taking on the world all on your own. Knowing more than everybody else. Someone says, hey, wait, you need to listen. You say, I don't need to listen to anything anytime because I got it all figured out. And the world owes me in a whole different way than it owes my big brother. Paint me with the colors of that younger son. And then something happens. Life gets real bad. And you know how that works. There, there are points in life where, 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 where you kind of go down in a ladder and then you look up and you say, man, I've come a long ways down. And there's families in our church that are praying for this moment with their son, their daughter, their grandkids. They're saying, we need that lucid moment. We need that moment where in the prodigal son where he looks where he's knee deep in pig manure and mud and garbage and filth and stench. He doesn't have anything to eat. And we're praying that somehow our kid will have that lucid moment where he says, Wait a minute. I now realize I'm not entitled. I realize that my strong will has been broken. I realize being angry hasn't served me well. And the one place to go is back to the one who I wished was dead. I go back to my old man, to my father, and he'll love me. He treats his servants better than I'm treated now. There's people in our congregation who have sons who put a needle in their arm who have daughters who are in relationships where they're abused verbally or, or physically handled in a way that's just hateful. And they say, I'm praying, I'm praying, Pastor, I'm praying. And I'm telling you what we're praying for is that lucid moment for the moment knee-deep in the worst things of life where finally it dawns on you that the Father loves you so deeply and so dearly that there's no place else to run except back home. And Jesus gives us insight into what this guy said. I love this. When he came to his senses, right, when the fog lifted, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. There's a word for that, and that word is repentance. If you want to know what godly repentance looks like, it's right there. 
I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm departing from all of the angry garbage of my life. And I'm going to go back to my dad. Because I know my dad's got a love for me that's never going to go away. Paint me with some of the colors of the younger son. Because in my younger life, I had a lot of that in me. And maybe you did too. Or paint me in with the hues of the Father's love. The warm tones of grace and the beautiful tints of mercy with colors that are mixed in a way that radiates from the heart of, of an artist who'd been through a lot. But he relates beautifully to the Father's love. Paint me in warm and ready when the sun comes home. It strikes me that the father loved both his boys so powerfully. What father has ever sat with his son and said, you know what, it's better to let you go right now than it is to argue and fight with you. And so the father in this story said, it's okay, you can go. Probably knowing what fathers know that he was going to go get into scandalous living is the words of the text. That he was going to waste absolutely every cent that he had. And then when he was done, he was going to be physically, emotionally, financially broke. And sometimes as parents, we've done that. And we've let our kids go because it's what you do. Because when you let them go, then you can welcome them. A picture of the father waiting out the window and the sun going down one day and him seeing the silhouette of his son in the backdrop of a beautiful sunset. And he waited in love, not in judgment. And he welcomed him, not in judgment, but he welcomed him in love. He didn't come to him and say, you know what? Do you remember when we were standing under the tree and you were 15 and I told you you'd never amount to anything? Do you remember when you came home with that D in biology and I told you you'd always be stupid? Here's living proof that you're the dumbest kid in the history. Of the you wasted your whole inheritance. Not this father. This father's heart opens up to the kid. It says with great compassion. He runs out to meet him. And he doesn't run out to meet him to, to tell him I told you so. He runs out to meet him because he loves him. Because there's brokenness in the family. And when the family's broken... The mom and dad suffer and struggle with that, trying to figure it out. And this dad's love doesn't waver and go up and down. Rather, the love of the father is constant, even when his son is out of the picture. And then that father's love, it's the love of the father that brought the son back. It wasn't the judgment and the shame. It wasn't being hard on him and saying, well, you know, if we're hard on him, then he won't be too soft. Rather, it was the love that brought him back. How many of my father's servants have? I'll go back to my father and say, because I know that my father loves me, even though I don't deserve to be anything more than a hired hand. Paint me with the warm hues of the father's grace and with his profound love for his family. Or paint me in with the hues of the older brother's anger, the sharp tones of being judgmental, 
I got this coming to me, old man. I've been slighted in this. I've done everything you asked. I've had my whole life together. I've not crapped around with all this stuff like my little brother, but you're having a party for him, and I don't like that. And so he is painted with the brush of anger. I couldn't even get a cheeseburger from a grass-fed cow. I can't even have a little goat stew. And, and, and you took the grain-fed calf for him? Are you nuts? Why don't we celebrate excellence here? Why don't we celebrate being perfect and wonderful and right and pure and holy? Why don't, why don't we get after it that way in this family? This is the dumbest thing you've just reinforced. All is bad behavior. What in the world is wrong with you, old man? Haven't you seen how faithful I've been? All of the things that I've done for you, and I'm out on the farm, and you're putting a party together, you nuts. I got something coming to me, and I want it when I want it. A little bit of that in you, old Lutheran guy. Church isn't the way it was 50 years ago. I hate that. Eight o'clock, pastor preached from the, from, from the platform this morning. I don't like that. And I'm owed better than that. And I can do better than that. And blah, blah, blah. He wants what he wants because he thinks he's entitled to it even more than his little brother. And so the father responds again, not with judgment, but in love. Powerful words. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. There's a marvelous interplay of the words there. This brother of yours follows immediately after the older son said, this son of yours, not my brother, your son. And the father says, wait a minute, we're family here. This is my son, you are my son, and that is your brother. And then those words of great love and inclusion. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours is dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And the father beholds his boys in love, not with a belt or with a sarcastic tone, but with the marvelous hues of the love of a father who's waited for both of his boys. And so where do you fit? Where do you fit? Remember the question that started this in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. There's a place for you around the Father's table. Because our Father in Heaven sent His Son to bring us back to the family, to cover our shame with the robe of His righteousness, put a ring on our finger and remind us that we are children of the Most High, to put sandals on our feet and invite us into the table. Because no matter how angry and resentful, the Father still loves. No matter how wounded and broken, the Father still loves. You belong to and with 
the Father. And so does the one you're waiting for. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Father God, when we talk about people in real life instead of theological abstracts and stuff, it just cuts to the heart. Each one of us has a picture of someone who's struggling and needs the love that we have. Each one of us knows that feeling of, of, of both running away and being angry. Many, many of us, probably most of us, Lord, know and, and hold in our heart what it is to, uh, to, to receive someone home. And so we pray this morning, as we've prayed thousands of times in our church, for that lucid moment for those prodigals who are out there running and gunning on urban camping trips, putting needles in their arms, in abusive relationships, drinking the anesthetized pain of whatever in their lives. Grant to those sons and daughters who are hip deep in the worst things of life, that lucid moment this morning, that they may pull into their soul that the Father's love is so great and so vast, as is the love of their earthly parents, that they would find hope and healing and a road to recovery. Bless us, Lord, with the warmth of the Father's love today and always, and keep us strong, strong in that love. And thank you, Lord for the place at the table with our name card and the very best things of life ready to be served. This we ask in Jesus' name.